Hello and welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. I'm Guillaume, your host, and each week, I'm fortunate to share with you stories from climate tech founders, investors, and corporations sharing their unique insights into this fast-moving industry. Eventually, like me, you will learn, discover, and get inspired by those unique men and women who are contributing to the fight against climate change, and I hope it will help you to take a step in this formidable movement. So before we start, I just want to share a few words about us as this podcast is just the tip of the iceberg of what we do at Startup Basecamp to support climate tech movement. Our mission is to accelerate capital deployment towards climate tech founders, allowing them to focus on scaling their solutions. How do we do that? Every day, we help founders access to resources and connections and gain the visibility they need to expand their growth. We do this in a number of ways with a membership platform, a Slack group, with a growing number of founders, investors, and experts from around the world. And recently, we went one step further with a matching services to connect founders with top climate tech investors. Keep in mind that we are able to do all of this thanks to the support of our listeners and our members. So please like and subscribe, share one episode with a friend, join a community, and if you haven't already done so, make a small donation to support our work. It really means the world to us. And now, enjoy the show! Hi everyone, in this new episode of Founder Series, I sat down with Ivan Landan, founder and CEO of Marine Digital, a tech company that focuses on the decarbonization of the maritime industry by delivering advanced energy efficiency analytics and optimization tools for supply chain and vessel operations. Ivan started his professional journey with a career in finance, achieving notable success, but soon found himself yearning for a more innovative and less conservative culture. His desire to bring meaningful change and passion for innovations and technology steered him towards the maritime industry with the founding of Marine Digital. Join our conversation as we dive into key issues plaguing the maritime supply chain and shipping, including non-standardized practices, poor data quality and lack of transparency, inefficient fuel consumption, and significant greenhouse gas emissions. Let's explore together how Marine Digital is working to address this complex matter via data acquisition, performance analysis, and processes simplification. The second part of the show, Ivan discusses startups fundraising, sharing essential strategies for nurturing investors' relations, and mastering the art of pitching and achieving work-life balance. Ivan, welcome to the show. Hi, Ivan. Welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. I'm super happy to have you here with us today. I believe it's going to be a great opportunity to hear your story and get up to speed with this exciting adventure that you're having with Marine Digital, which deliver advanced energy efficiency analytics and optimization tools for maritime supply chain and vessels operations. So welcome to the show. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot, Guillermo. It's really nice to be here. Uh, Thanks for the invitation. Um, Really like to share, you know, some insights, uh, maybe some info about the industry, because my guess that 
not so many people actually got the idea what happens in the maritime sector. It's always, you know, far away. Uh, while it's pretty interesting things uh, happening specifically this year and on the course of the next two, three years. Uh, so, yeah, glad to be here. Fantastic. So, traditional on the show, uh, we like to get a 30-second introduction about uh, the company. So, can you give us uh, that for Marine Digital? Uh, yeah, for sure. So, we are a technological company. Uh, we uh, have a focus on uh, the decarbonization of the maritime industry. Specifically, we apply two technologies. It's a digital twin technology and it's AI. Uh, what we practically do, we help uh, shipping companies uh, to understand the energy efficiency profile through building a digital twin. And then using different decision support tools, we help them to achieve the reduction of the fuel consumption and of the carbon footprint. Uh, so we, we are doing hydrodynamic performance modeling and we support with the different decisions on you know, hull cleaning, maintenance of main engine, auxiliary engines, and some part of the navigation and obviously with the reporting concerning uh, carbon reporting, ESG reporting and other parts. So let's start from the from the top. Uh, in this show, we like to start focusing by you know to try to understand who is the who is the guest speaker here. So maybe if you can share with us your personal story and background. I mean, what are you passionate about? What makes you, you know, your best self? You know, besides uh, building a marine digital. As I always ask, like, uh, who is Ivan? <laughs> it's 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 a nice question. I can say. <laughs> Uh, so uh, my background was mostly in uh, finance sector back in the days, and uh, uh, I had I had a pretty successful career. But at age of perhaps 26, 27, I start feeling that the industry around me is like super conservative. No one is innovating. It's not possible to change something. And uh, at that point of time, I I decided well maybe I should try something on my own because before that I was you know pretty active person and was participating in different IT uh, projects and also financial projects, uh, trade finance projects. And uh, uh, as it always happens, your first attempt uh, like <laughs> has a pretty like, you know low chance of success because you don't understand the reality. So. Um, my initial attempt was to uh, automate uh, the letter of credit. Uh, that's how I start touching the supply chain. And uh, on the on a bit later stages, I also participated in some fintech projects. Uh, uh, basically, uh, sold my shares, got initial uh, money to invest and to do something on really on my own. And uh, that's how I end up uh, starting Marine Digital uh, with. Uh, uh, the idea that you know it was really really bad when I saw how the you know documents been processed in the ports and terminals and I saw how how so so this this the thing that this industry impacts so many other industries in so bad way uh, for me it uh, you know uh, it, it 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 was ringing the bell that perhaps I should do something there because it seems to be a brilliant idea because you know you you do you do something for good people buy it and then, you know, the things that, you know, changing in the industry. For me, it was a great motivation that I could do something really helpful for uh, this, uh, I could say, dinosaur industry. Initially, I, I thought that it would be much easier. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in terms of what, what I'm, uh, what, what I really like, what I'm, you know, fo focused on, uh, on my, you know, personal level, for me, it's the idea that I could, you know, bring some practical impact. 
not on the level of you know paper and numbers there, but like I see how uh, we make mariners happy, how we change their life for good, how this process actually motivate them uh, to you know make better operations, how you know the, the, the vessels not harming you know like ecosystem of the ocean flora fauna and etc. So for me, it's like some sort of the wave after wave. And I'm observing it. I'm I'm pretty happy about that because th this is something where you can see the results of your, um, you know, development of your contribution. So for me, it's pretty positive uh, factor when I you know, develop the venture. Now, if you look back a little bit at your previous career, and you clearly mentioned that you were in finance before, and uh, you're a bit frustrated by this uh, uh, more like stagnation, uh, you know, industry, uh, even though there is some innovation happening there. But uh, if you look back a little bit uh, at this whole journey prior to starting uh, Marine Digital, uh, would you like maybe share with us like one or two pieces of like experiences uh, that happened during that uh, that journey? That gave you an edge to uh, be a better founders and be better positioned today to start uh, to start marine digital. Oh well, I, I guess that um, you know any any foundation of a startup at all it always uh, jump off the cliff. There's you you always uh, have a huge uncertainty. Uh, you know, in the best case, you have enough money in your bank account for you know a couple of years or something. It's the best case scenario. Uh, in the best case scenario, perhaps you have enough experience in this industry, or at least you know, or at least you feel that you have enough experience in this industry. Uh, perhaps in the best case, uh, it, it still scares you a lot because, you know, you're in a pretty much comfort zone in general. You like have something, you know, that's uh, uh, repeating itself. You can earn money, et cetera. So any sort of foundation, in my understanding, it's always a huge risk because uh, on early stage, uh, the success rate of the company is really really low uh, and it's 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 basically if you you know experienced enough especially if you're from finance sector uh, you, you you already saw it you already saw this brilliant minds and something happened in the industry with the investors with something else and then this person oh my god i lost two years of my life you know for nothing etc so you 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 might see it before and at the same time, you see pretty cool, successful cases when people, you know, went through some interesting journey, when they build a cool product. And th this isn't like different part of motivation. And obviously, um, you know, for I, I guess it's also my subjective experience. Uh, uh, my subjective experience was that I was struggling to, you know, to contribute to maybe to the corporate where I, where I was working, or maybe just, you know, to, to, to create something that will be, you know, a good product, a good solution, you know, a good deal or something, because you always have people around you who are not really caring about that. They're just like, you know, um, uh, as we call it today, it's a quiet quitting when you just do your part of the job and you're not really caring, so you're not getting stressed enough, etc. So. Uh, it's it's mostly about that, and for, for me, uh, the motivation was and the experience was that well, perhaps I should give it a try, because otherwise I will be, uh, you know, after years will be disappointed at myself that I won't, you know, take this risk and I that I, you know, won't uh, try it because then I at least will know if I'm capable of or I'm not capable of, and then you know, like you know, your crossroads is much easier than you know sitting like well. 
maybe you know like i should try that but you know i decided to stay in the bank etc so it's it, in, in my understanding uh, you know every situation is uh, like subjective personal situation every found every person has his own motivation and uh, basically basically you should think upfront you know uh, after years fundamentally i guess that um, you know many early stage founders or first time founders the idea is that I will build something that I believe in. And basically, you are building the company of yourself, of your you know, imagination, of your values, of your focus. While practically, it could be a bit different. So you can combine it with a bit operational part. You can understand where, where you have the best network. You can understand where you can get the easiest access to the clients. You can understand what kind of problems are there and what, where you have uh, special expertise, what to solve. And then perhaps your journey might be much easier because at the end, you know, after years, you're sitting like, well, I don't like to have problems. I'd like to like make everything done in a normal, understandable uh, way that will uh, help me generate, uh, you know, impact or, you know, create solution more efficiently, faster, like without, you know, huge stress, fighting with everything around. Uh, so it, it, it's like that, I guess. So before we, we start going into details about uh, Marine Digital, uh, we'd like to take a, a zoom out and try to understand the overall context that you are navigating uh, in itself. So to put things back uh, into perspective, maybe you can start by giving your understanding of the uh, existing maritime and shipping industry today in the perspective of its contribution to GSG global you know, emission and this so-called black carbon, uh, which can be also a major contributor to, uh, to climate change. So to start off, uh, if you could share with us like some data points regarding the, the overall contribution uh, of the shipping industry today and, and what are the, the, the projection uh, that uh, comes out? Uh, I mean, you guys have a, a deep understanding of the, uh, of the industry. So uh, let's start by uh, framing the, the problem today. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. So uh, it, it's actually not that easy to give you a snapshot of the whole industry because industry is a complicated, you know, it's a complex thing. It's like, you know, how people live right now. Uh, I, I, I will try to do it from my perspective with the information that I have and uh, with, uh, you know, uh, insights uh, that I found uh, on the course of the last years. Uh, and also, I guess I have a pretty interesting perspective because before that I was working in, you know, uh, industry that observes many other industry in the, in the financial industry, and I could also compare it with the others. So maritime industry, first of all, uh, it's uh, not really, uh, you know, industry of high awareness. So when, when you're sitting in your office, or you're like going home, etc., you're not like interacting with this industry at all. It's somewhere far away. Only people from port cities like, you know, Hamburg, Bremen, you know, Antwerp and Rotterdam, uh, Singapore, they are like into it. They know what happens there because they see a lot of people from this industry every day. So uh, this industry is super, super integrated. But basically everything that we wear, eat, you know, that we drive and we're trying to fix it with something, it's somehow been on board of the vessel before. So it's over 80% of the uh, global uh, cargo volume. It's over 11 billion tons every year transported through different parts of the maritime supply chain. So ba basically, if this industry stops, everything stops. It's uh, That's why we call it a backbone. Uh, in terms of the impact, so uh, it's also pretty interesting to understand it from different angles. So vessel, basically average vessel, what we call a merchant fleet, commercial vessel, it's a thing maybe 200 meters length. 
it's a pretty huge metal object and it's uh, powered by uh, engine that is 24 meters length it's a huge huge power plant at site basically so maybe for the city it's a medium-sized power plant generating 500 megawatts a day burning out 30 tons a day so 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 basically you could imagine the scale and uh, some vessels they have two engines some vessels also got, got at least maybe two auxiliary engines and up to maybe five auxiliary engines the, together they could burn out you know over 100 tons a day so if you're navigating so if you if you, if you have a tanker you need to warm up the oil because you like somewhere north and also you are moving fast it, it could be 100 tons per day so this vessel in general how business works you know people are trying to save money obviously you buy uh, the cheapest possible like there's some balance obviously you won't buy absolutely damaging your vessel fuel but you will buy the cheapest possible fuel because for example you got low uh, sulfur oil and you got just normal well, it's not normal but it's like average uh, bunker fuel so uh, this fuel is basically the worst possible <laughs> fuel ever because it consists uh, there are several really harmful uh, elements like sulfur uh, basically when we say that maritime industry generates only three percent of uh, greenhouse gas emissions in the world it sounds nothing it really sounds like nothing but when we say like well it's not only about GHG but it's also about black carbon but black carbon it's like sulfur oxide nutrient oxide microparticles everything that's even more harmful so so basically shipping is responsible for 15 percent so it's like you know every sixth uh uh, case of this bad emission related to the maritime industry in the world. So how it how it practically works. So vessel going through ocean, sulfur oxide being emitted, where it goes, it goes into the water. So uh, it's basically um, makes water more toxic. It, it, it actually harms the flora, it harms, it harms the, you know, fishes, uh, fish goes there. And uh, it's practically also affecting human health. So sulfur oxide specifically contributes to asthma, specifically contributes to cancer. And that's why, uh, like several international research agencies, they say that around 20% of the global, especially childhood asthma cases, but also general asthma cases related to the maritime industry itself, for the, to the ports, to vessels. So uh, this 1 billion ton tons of co2 generated by the shipping industry every year it's we we say it's yeah it's it's, it's not good but it's not the worst because the, uh, the the black carbon emissions are really harmful and this is what we should be afraid of so um practically uh, right now uh there are uh, like actually many ways uh how uh you know government or international cross cross government institutions trying to solve that or like how you know startups corporates industry itself trying to you know solve this problem uh, there's a there's a big i guess there's a big focus right now on this topic because first of all after the COVID period you might remember that in 2021 and part of 2022 average vessel delay was a week so every vessel in the world was late around seven days i mean there was there were guys who were late for two weeks there were guys who were late for you know, three days uh, but actually everything was late and um as at least it's my understanding it, it generated the wave of awareness of the global uh business that something is wrong with the maritime it's just not working good and many saw how bad it is and right now that we we have a new wave of uh you know industrial update or you know it's an innovation cycle
maybe before going into the, the I would say like the, the innovation and the, the new solution that I'm putting out there to uh, clean uh, that industry, I like to go one step further in the uh, understanding of the general context, and if you could share with uh, with the audience your view in the in the shipping value chain, uh, because it's not only the the ship per se, but it's like uh, prior to you know uh, loading the ship, and then it's like uh, after the ship, and uh, I mean when they arrive at port and start to uh, to unload uh, the thing. So. If you look at this value chain, uh, including the ship in there, I mean, what are the different areas that uh, you have identified as the low-hanging fruits, I would say, that could be easily uh, decarbonized and the ones that are ex excessively uh, difficult or hard uh, in a way to uh, to change? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's also, once again, it's a pretty complex question because uh, decarbonization of shipping is like multi-layer, multi-dimensional thing. Uh, I will try to elaborate uh, like within my uh, knowledge base. So um, one of the biggest problem in the in the like uh, supply chain actually is a fragmentation. We call it fragmentation. So when cargo goes from point A to point B, even if we're not talking about the uh, land-based warehouse, even from port to port, you have so many participants of this process. So you have ship owner, you have ship manager, you have chartering company, you have you might have logistic company, you might have two terminal operators. So it's like people who make uh, who, who produce the operations at the port. You have a bank of uh, cargo owner, you have bank of buy side, you have insurance company, and also there might be obviously you no know, customs, something else. And all of these roles, they could be uh, like multiplied. So they, they, could, they could be several terminal operators, several, you know, fleet managers, et cetera. So, and, and problem of this fragmentation is no one really responsible for the end result. Because the client who hire a shipping company, he says like, guys, I want to deliver it as fast as possible. And obviously the cheapest cheap possible way. And the person in the port, he like says, yeah, fine, but I'm just a port, you know, I'm a terminal. So drive, come on, you can wait, you know, process the cargo, et cetera. Bank, well, bank of uh, buy side or bank of sell side, they also got own game. You know, many right now complain that, well, it, it, digital letter, digital bill of lading could be faster, but, you know, banks are not motivated to issue the liquidity when the cargo arrives, so they're processing, analyzing documents, et cetera. So there are multiple, multiple um, points of, pressure on the process. At the end, it's my guess that uh, shipping could be efficient by at least 50% if there were any global standard, if everyone could be synchronized. This is basically the situation right now. And uh, it's, it's, it's really hard to solve it. So um, uh, there are also government regulators, International Maritime Organization, that sits uh, like resides in London. And uh, they also trying, you know, they're observing it because you, you couldn't say like stop and do it in a new way because it's it's not the industry that could be stopped. And uh, any sort of innovation process, it takes years. So you have the test period of, you know, adoption of regulations or new rules, then you monitor them not to harm industry significantly. And then you uh, somehow uh, change it a bit. So uh, after the COVID, we saw a new wave of regulations uh, that motivates uh, like these participants to um, cooperate with each other more efficiently because basically what IMO told, they told like, look, you're right now not only saying like, I have this uh, carbon footprint. You start measuring it per type of your vessel, per ship, per distance, 
and, uh, and and basically if you will load it with the cargo or not and uh, for example the short uh, you know, the short distance transportation with vessels became not so like you know uh, economically efficient or economically valuable and uh, right everyone is angry because it's a new regulation no one is happy you know you should change something well it was good on your side already it's like not that complicated and uh, right now you know there are also obviously different ways what you can do i could uh, divide them into maybe three groups because the first one you can do something physical with your vessel so you can change the geometry you can replace your engine you could maybe replace your fuel uh, system like with you know hydrogen ammonia something you can put uh, solar sails or you can put a kite uh, and there are actually there are pretty cool uh, applications of new like you know hardware physical like this and energy saving technologies perhaps the biggest problem is that they're really expensive because for example to install a hydrogen fuel cell you know what, what is good in hydrogen hydrogen brings you zero uh, climate impact so it's like there, there's no CO2 uh, emission there. But to replace the normal uh, fuel tanks with the hydrogen, it costs you at least for average vessel, maybe seven to ten uh, million dollars. And uh, basically, if you're a business owner, you you will soon ask yourself who how will guy get this money back? So who will pay for that? And also you got the second questions: are you sure that the oil prices will remain at this uh high level for 10 years because it's the payback cycle or maybe like 20 years which, which could be also the payback cycle it's, and no one could answer you that you don't know um that's also about like other different types of uh, physical upgrades uh you you, you you also got pretty modern uh propellers uh, pretty modern retrofitting systems so, so you can you can, there's a lot of technologies there the problem is that they're expensive it's it's not a fast mass market upgrade for the industry the second part, obviously, operational. So you, you can have the same vessel, you can do something different. Uh, and there are multiple and multiple uh, tools here, you know, starting from uh, just uh, maritime ERP system, how you manage something, how you manage supply of spare parts, how you manage, you know, uh, power consumption by monitoring, you know, uh, usage of generators, boilers, HVAC, etc., and uh, ending up with uh, uh, technologies like AI satellite weather routing, when you use artificial intelligence to model the future weather and to find the best possible route. So it's it's like uh, also, for example, you can use uh, machine learning algorithms to find the best possible RPM versus speed for your vessel, uh, having in mind that resistance. You know, you got always different current waves, uh, different wind, you got different draft. And it's basically not that easy as in truck business because everything is dynamic in in, in, in ocean. Your, your your route could be longer by ten percent because of the waves. <laughs> so so it's, it's practically happens sometimes. Um, and uh, the third layer is actually I can say it's ecosystem layer. So for example, for example, right now when I'm talking to <clears throat> anyone who is somehow significantly involved into the maritime, either fund or you know some IT company. Everyone say we need a standard. We need a standard because you just imagine every big port has own standard. There's no international standard vessel to vessel communication, port to vessel communication, port to port communication. Basically, this is a huge fragmentation. In finance, as you might remember, we have SWIFT standard 
for over 50 years now. Just like, you know, simple messages that allows to make transactions fast. Logistics connecting continents, I don't know, like corporates, people, warehouses have no standard. They like, oh, we are fine without it. So this brings the problem that, for example, it's really hard to plan your arrival. So you don't know. So, so you, for example, start traveling from Rotterdam to New York. It takes, for example, you know, three weeks, roughly. And uh, you don't know what, what day you will arrive. And even then, you don't know when you will go to the terminal. So it ends up that you arrive and stay for five days, communicating with agent, you know, talking about the price of the birth and the terminal operations. You have also shady part when agents in the ports, they earn money by saying like, look, you, you arrived at Friday, you would like to discharge and go before Saturday, 40K and you're here. If you don't like to pay, you will stay here on Anchor for two more days. Practically in terms of impact, it means that vessel could be slower if this problem was solved. And uh, hydrodynamic works in a way that if you are slower, basically your consumption will be like much lower. And at least 30% of losses, 30%, just think about it. You, you, you could, you could you know, generate 30% less emission if this problem will be solved. But it's really hard to solve because it's international, because it's about the, the influence of, you know, major big companies like Norsk with, you know, own internal standard like MSC. Other guys, they got, you know, internal uh, approaches, how they solve the problems. Well, uh, obviously, they are not the caretaker for the global ecosystem, at, at least as a standalone caretaker. Mm -hmm. So uh, today, also, many, many startups, also, there was a wave of uh, new technologies arriving to the market. Because like seven years ago, there was uh, no industrialized uh, wireless uh, data transfer systems. And basically, if you would like to automate a vessel, you need two, three hundred meters of wires. And this is a standalone problem of delivery, drilling. So it's a pretty heavy process. Today, you can use two antennas from the bottom to the top. It won't be super, you know, high capacity data transfer, but it could be two antennas instead of 300 meters of wires. Uh, there are also, you know, Starlink, in my opinion, significantly changed the situation because uh, there will be also several more years of market expansion. But today, so five, six years ago, uh, unlimited connection for the vessel costs you $5,000 per month per vessel. So imagine you having the fleet of 100 vessels or 50 vessels. Basically, you start questioning, why do I need this like unlimited connection for this significant price? And today you can have, I don't know, uh, maybe 50 gigabytes for $250 from Starlink. And that's enough for telemetric data. So this is basically the uh, enabler of uh, digital process in the maritime. So maybe in two, three years, we'll have much uh, higher availability of different solutions, which will be cloud-based solutions because the industry got uh, you know, affordable access. And there will be obviously a wave of competition on the market within these services and obviously within the satellite services, which is once again, one of the biggest barriers right now. Low orbit satellites arrived. Because before that, many had problems. For example, you know, we, we talked to the Red Cross uh, from United States, and they told us, look, we have a problem. We send to Africa lots of containers with the supplies, like, you know, food, like clothes, et cetera. And we would like to track them. And basically, we could put some sensors on, on board these this containers just to be sure that they're not damaged. So we, they, they, they actually, they uh, like been delivered. But we don't know how to solve it when this thing is on board the vessel, because the vessel is always different. And we couldn't say, look, put our antenna here, 
vessel always different, almost always. And uh, how, how you can do it? Right now, basically, there's a low orbit satellite. You can put eSIM in this sensor, and it will be you know once per six hours, once per four hours streaming the data. So it's actually a super big upgrade in the industry. And there are multiple influences right now how how the industry you know changing. It's shifting already because it's, it's not that industry as it was five years ago. Plus, there's additional pressure on the uh, impact on, on the impact that's been generated by you know, terminals, ship owners, by the producers of like naval yards, and uh, it's actually a big, big thing right now because practically this year, on the course of the next two years, the industry will have a huge innovation cycle landed, and this is, I think, it's really cool because this is what will uh, contribute to you know better ocean health. To maybe better efficiency, better transparency uh, in in the industry, because once again, you don't have any TV series on Netflix about slavery and drug market, but you have it about you know shipping. <laughs> okay, but thank you so much because I think it's a very uh, great um, you know understanding of like the old context uh, and the multi layer uh, you know that. Uh, you know, where the whole industry, uh, the way it's organized and the way all, uh, the entrance also of new technology and solution uh, can be uh, adopted. So taking a, a little bit like a, a zoom out here, um, in terms of regulation, and you mentioned that uh, the problem, the major problem that you pinpoint is like this, there's no like uh, standardization and uh, there is uh, all of those like you know ports but also uh, vessels everything is different and communication is still very broken uh, in itself so looking a little bit uh, at this this whole industry in general in terms of the, the regulatory framework I mean what are the, the regulation currently in place that are enforcing the industry to, to move uh, towards like a more sustainable approach of, uh, of the, the way they operate? I mean, and, and, and which one, according to you, uh, is, is missing uh, that could really support this uh, and accelerate this, uh, this push in itself? Uh, yeah, thanks a lot for the question. Uh, <laughs> once again, uh, you know, when you have like more information about the industry, you understand the complexity, and uh, the, to, to answer it in a precise way is really hard. I will try. I will try to do that. So, uh, the, the major regulations right now, obviously, affecting carbon footprint because this is something. There are also multiple other regulations in regards to the safety. Uh, in regards to, you know, some data collection systems and how you report and uh, in, in regards maybe to some trade regulations. Uh, so so it's, it's uh, the overall, you know, I'm focused on the impact and on the energy efficiency. That's why perhaps I will talk about that. Uh, first, first of all, uh, today uh, what happens, Maritime is integrated into ETS, emission trading system, because what is expected by 2026 is if you fail to comply with the maritime regulations, you will have fines within the emission trading system. And these fines are like huge. They are significantly huge. Basically, government like International Maritime Organization and you know related government international infrastructure, they say, look, if you won't reduce your footprint calculated by this specific formula by at least 11% till 2026, you might have restrictions of port calls, so you won't be able to enter the port on this vessel. You won't be able to take a loan for this vessel. You won't be able to take insurance for this vessel. 
perhaps you will have additional fine with up to 200,000 you know, dollars, euros, something. For many companies, it means that if you fail to comply, you will be kicked out of the business. So it's some sort of the significant pressure uh, for, for, for many, because even for, for big companies with, you know, uh, much bigger capacity of the capital, who are like modernized uh, fleets and, uh, but still it's additional capex and it's additional, uh, you know, problems how to do that. For small companies, it's like almost the problem that they could be consolidated because uh, you have, you know, three, four, five vessels. And uh, you don't have, you know, 50 millions to invest. So at least maybe you have, but you don't like to just like lose this money because you don't know when you get them back. Uh, and still you need to do something because otherwise in three years, there's a, you know, some uh, event will happen. Still, this is under discussions. Nothing is fixed yet. This is uh, three years of adoption. So this year, next, the next one. Uh, basically, that will be a test period when everyone is reporting what they're doing, you know, how it affects the uh, reduction of the footprint, and uh, there will be some assessment and then implementation, which is fine because I can say that in, in early 2023, in, in basically end of 2022, big companies like Oldendorf, which is uh, one of the biggest private uh, carriers, they told like, we won't comply, you can shut us down. You, you will lose like, you know, a lot if you shut us down. We don't have capacity right now to upgrade our fleet so fast. At least as I understood the, the you know, the, the discussions, there were several articles from Oldendorf saying that its regulations are not right. They are not, you know, for, uh, applied correctly. So it's it's under discussions right now. And obviously there are, you know, Hapakloid is like semi-government company. Obviously they will comply because, you know, government won't fight with the government. There are also, you know, m multiple processes when, you know, private business saying like, ah, well, it's additional pressure on our, you know, uh, revenues and it's additional investments needed from our side. But from the other hand, uh, there's also really important influence because uh, basically ship owner and ship manager, right now they ask themselves, what will be the rating by the end of the year? And if the client says you need to transport it fast, you need to, you know, to, to you know, to, to, to have a huge speed and basically we don't care about the money we pay, they, at the end, they say like, well, it's, it's not really working for us because you won't pay our fines and you, you won't pay for, you know, uh, for problems that we will have if we will fa fail to inferior categories of this rating. This is something that motivates them to talk to each other, at least in my understanding, because for industry, it's something complicated. They don't like it. But for us, people who like live around this industry, and basically everyone lives around the oceans, it's maybe something that could bring really good results. Because at least there will be a motivation to you know upgrade the communication channels, to upgrade the business logic, etc. Um, in regards to uh, you know other um, influences of the regulations. Actually, there are multiple because basically the overall industry is trying to become more transparent in terms of human rights, for example. Because once again, I'm mentioning this, just check this movie. It's a movie. It's a movie on Netflix saying about how bad it is with the, you know, slaves in the fishing business, how bad it is with the, you know, flora and fauna in the ocean. Ocean generates, by the way, 60-50% of our oxygen. And <laughs> we are saying like, yeah, yeah, and Amazon is really bad because we could see you know, and all of, all of the, you know, uh, 
famous scientists, they like, you know, ringing the bell, say, guys, it's really, really bad, please take a look, etc. And perhaps it's only first small steps for, you know, our global awareness that, you know, we, we also, by, by the way, for the last, you know, 100 years, there was also metal objects like issuing silver in the ocean, and it's not really good already. Yeah, so this, this is something, as I understand, as like normal way of uh, uh, in regulatory upgrade that, that happens, right? It won't be easy, it won't be fast, but it's something that happens. Close this uh, this section prior uh, diving into uh, into uh, marine digital. So, do you see uh, yourself like when you speak like with the Asian markets, uh, European or the US markets, uh, some difference in terms of like the speed of adoption uh, towards uh, I would say a, a more clean and sustainable uh, industry, and in 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 which I would say uh, time frame it sounds realistic that. Uh, Uh, we solve uh, at least uh, part of the, the the major problems that uh, you, we mentioned before. Uh, well, in terms of the difference, I think the Asian markets overall are much faster in any adoption. It's, it's just my personal feeling because basically they uh, like in the in the historical perspective they had less money, and uh, they 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 had you know maybe. A, And no, if it's today the same, but they have, in my perspective, they might have had overall lower quality of the fleet. While in Europe, in the United States, especially in Europe, uh, there was like a uh, much bigger value of uh, you know funds and capital and uh, majority of the owners of the fleet there in Europe. Uh, and uh, uh, still, this industry is about huge inertia. It's like a huge, huge inertia. And... Uh, uh, Today, what, what we have, um, you know, Singapore or I don't know even you know Malaysian or maybe uh, Emirates fleets, uh, they are pretty much progressing a lot with the constant upgrade because they have overall pressure on them. Uh, that like you know we, we won't grab your vessel because you have bad operations, etc. Fuel stealing problems, inefficiency, etc. European fleets, also in my understanding, because of the government regulations, because of the, you know, caring uh, about the impacts, because of the different business culture, this fleet, on average, is perhaps in a, of a better quality right now. And uh, still, European market is much slower, in my understanding. So people make decisions longer; they afraid to test. While Asian market is something, you know, it's maybe like I can say, it's maybe a smaller machine, but it moves really, really faster. Um, so uh, today, once again, those who adopt ESG and ETS regulations, it's basically Europe, United States, Australia, and you know some. Minor countries on the corporate level, the mass scale of this level, and th th this is basically what motivates those who work with these countries to upgrade the fleet. So th this this is you know the the, the points of uh, influence. Uh, overall approach right now, once again, there are many non not really super expensive technologies that could bring you 10-15% of efficiency. And, and this is basically the fight right now within the industry. If you could digitize vessel below one day because you don't like to go to the dry dock or something, if it's possible to make it with, uh, you know, not expensive budget below 50K, 
uh, how you can be sure how you can validate your results of uh, fuel consumption reduction or fuel theft protection and th this is already the market so we, we see it every day that's like new projects arrive and uh, new, new technologies allows that um, maybe uh, you know within the uh, European market we, we got much more advanced uh, science approach yeah because for example in Germany like overall the European Union uh, the approach on supporting scientific se sector that contributes then to more sustainable more long-run technologies more advanced technologies is I guess a bit higher than in Asia yeah so th this 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 is something also some sort of advantage once again this has a huge inertia and when basically when the technology arrives then it arrived and it's like adapted uh, in, in Asia, once again, they perhaps don't have this, you know, many, many uh, universities were well-funded uh, or at least that well-funded for a long term as in European Union and United States. But once again, they, they are fighting with the problem in a bit different way. So they <laughs> they work over hours and they work on the weekends. Um, yeah, so at, at least it's, it's my point of view of that. But thank you so much for sharing this uh, overview of the uh, of the industry. Uh, very, very, very interesting. So now let's go deeper into uh, Marine Digital. Uh, if you could summarize uh, us a little bit like the, the story behind it, I mean, the initial gap that uh, that you saw and identified that led to the, the current version of it. I mean, in a way, why Marine uh, Digital uh, have to exist? Uh, yeah, for sure. So... Um... I, I, I can start from what we're doing now and basically explain how we ended up here. Um, the major problem of uh, the maritime industry and actually of all surroundings, uh, at least from my perspective, is quality of the data. Because when we are talking about any decisions on the sea level of corporates, on within the ESG, within something, we don't have uh, normal quality of data. Many decisions are made on some averages. Many decisions are made on just some assumptions. And basically for this industry, it's rather uh, harms that helps. And th th this is one of the biggest problems right now. Why we don't have uh, high quality data? F first of all, because the vessel market was not really digitized, still it's around 60%, 60%, over half of the industry using manual reports. They don't have sensors on board, normal sensors. You know, it's, it's some sort of the devices that think by liquid and doing like this. Uh, this generates uh, the huge problem that, uh, you know, everyone needs the data. Every reporting company, every efficiency company, every, you know, corporate needs to perform better and they need this data. So uh, we first of all decided, okay, uh, perhaps it's one of the major problems right now, because nevertheless, you might have best AI, you might have best model, you might have best well-trained algorithm. If it works on the basis of bad data, the result will be bad. Nevertheless, how, how much you fight with it. it, it works in this way. So we start working on the data acquisition from you know different angles. And we made a pretty big R&D in terms of non-invasive. So, so the, there are also industrial barriers. People say, look, um, we don't like if you, if you grab our vessel for more than two days because then the clients are not happy because the vessel is basically standing still and not earning money. So this brings you the problem that you know you, it couldn't be a long-term installation. It's the first problem. The second problem, vessel is in the middle of the ocean made out of metal. Doors are metal, floors are made from metal, you know, walls are metal. 
and uh, basically it's it's not that easy just to switch on the device and stream it to the satellite so it's it's like uh, additional problem that was slowing down uh, this 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 specific thing the third layer is basically a business culture no one is really happy to share any information externally because if you grab the data but you, you couldn't then you know it, it will be pretty complicated to say well uh, we would like to you know, test something on the basis of the data and sell it to other, you know, guys in the market. Oh, well, it's, it, it, it was this block. So we, we practically start, started solving it uh, with uh, different uh, parts of the technologies. And uh, today, where we are focused on to make it as easy as possible, to make the data acquisition as easy as possible. So we see that many, you know, competitors, many well-established industrial players they have both advantages and disadvantages of being presented on the mass scale. So they got, you know, holy cows of legacy products and code. Uh, they have, you know, internal corporate processes that might take half a year just to understand what happens specifically right now, because, you know, the next meeting of the board will be in two months. And uh, from the other hand, they obviously got enormous connections with the industry and uh, enormous, uh, like, influence. But they're also super slow, and the technology adoption is super slow. And whereas the advantage of the startup is basically to do something much faster, you know, more efficient, better, etc. So th this this is where we focused on to make data acquisition process uh, from manual reports, enrichment through the satellite data, because you, you can practically replace part of the information just observing vessel from the satellite, or observing historical weather, or observing historical route. And uh, the, the second part is uh, transparency. Like I could call it overall transparency because you can make better decisions if you know what happened. And the, you, 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 you will know what caused the problem, what, what actually was the cause of the problem. Because if you take two similar vessels, absolutely 100% clones with the cloned <laughs> you know, crew on board, they will go absolutely the same route with the gap of you know, seven hours. Fuel consumption might be different for 40%. And for marinas, they say, yeah, it happens because the vessel uh, might be you know, hit by different waves. There might be current, there might be wind, and it's all like dynamic changing. Also, there might be wrong navigational decision. It might be a problem with the engine. It might be a problem with the fuel. And basically within this like ocean chaos, you, you don't really know, you, you know if this 40% consumption somehow uh, right or wrong. So, so we basically practically solve it. So now you know it's right or wrong because we're normalizing it through like digital twin technology. And now you know, okay, it was a huge wind, it was a huge wave, then consumption is fine. Everything is okay with the US. And then we go uh, on, the, on the next stage when we are accumulating lots and lots of this data. We are training lookalike look -like AI models and uh, we practically bring better results through several you know, machine learning gray box, black box technologies, just boosting and boosting the accuracy of calculations. This helps us to solve uh, pretty specific problems while basically being sure that we um, earning one of the most precise data in the industry. So, for example, if we uh, could train our algorithm for maybe one and a half year more, perhaps we could compete with the companies working for supply chain providers and calculating the footprint because Today, they are doing it on the basis of average distance between average ports in the countries for average vessel model, which is basically not even physical. It's, it's, it's a dot, you know, going through the ocean. If you will tell the story that, you know, someone pays them and you tell the story for naval architect, he will do like this. You're like, how the hell it happens? You know, it's, it's, it's not real at all. So we, we see that, you know, the future perspective 
that within the ESG, within the data quality market, there will be significant competition. Because after years, ESG market market will start competing, saying, look, my data is more uh, high quality than your data because you're calculating bullshit. And how, where they will get this data from? Perhaps, uh, you know, this 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 part that uh, we, we could solve it in, in, in a couple of years. Right now, we, we basically... Uh, obviously, in parallel and with one of the with highest priority of the focus, we solve the problem of the vessel companies right now. Practically help them to achieve the government regulation KPIs like reduction of the fuel consumption and emissions. Practically bringing them transparency, uh, like helping to understand if no one has stolen your fuel, for example, or if uh, you know if your engine is okay, engine health is okay. So uh, before that, obviously, we made a lot of tests. So we even develop a special content marketing strategy where, where we can put some new non-existing product on the website, generate feedback, understand how industry reflects on the different you know, parts of the technology, what they want, have additional interviews. And practically, you know, I can say that uh, Alex, who is our marketing officer, he made a really big thing because... Today, some some people uh, trying to publish articles on our website, or <laughs> you know, they're trying to, to get some you know marketing uh, uh, results uh, for cooperation with us, and uh, it's really great. But for us, it's a tool how we test the market, how how we trying to understand where, where the market goes, where the where is the right niche, and we also uh, trying to you know stay modern within the old-fashioned industry because you know back in the days i heard many times that this is not possible to sell online it's not possible to you know enter the industry with only digital marketing well we found pretty much opposite and this you can just like do it and you know observe the result get the feedback and then it's fine right now it's basically brought us a huge pipeline so we have much more clients willing to do something than we, we could handle at this specific moment because we would like to be prepared for the you know next stage of scalability because it is from one perspective, it's super cool that you have a lot of, you know, someone who is willing to, to, to try a solution. But in maritime, if you fail two, three clients in the region, you will fail the region. Basically, you, you, it will be super hard to enter it again. And this is a bit different, you know, perspective of this problem that you need to be really sure you can test it slowly, like cautious and et cetera. Then you can, okay, fine, now it's working. Now we understand the model. Now we understand the problems that we will meet uh, on, on the you know later stages. Now we can scale it. We're not afraid. So uh, also this this kind of uh, this this kind of exploration, this kind of research brought us a lot of insights. Uh, how how people think, uh, what what is the current structure of the industry, what what kind of problems they meet uh, today. So. Yeah, I, I think it's it's some sort of uh, our our current vision and you know some some parts of the way to this vision. So based on that research that you uh, that you mentioned, um, what are the maybe one, two, or three top problems that uh, the maritime industry is looking at and that you are currently serving or looking to serve in itself? Oh um, yeah, for sure. So um, <laughs> I, I can say that. Uh, the major problem, the major problem, it's a, a huge fight between the unwillingness to pay for expensive innovation and big willingness to receive the results of this innovation. And this is the uh, like innovation adoption cycle in the industry where, where there are already existing expensive solutions. You can pay 200,000 euros for a sensor set and perhaps have one of the most advanced, uh, you know, digital twin navigation, everything, performance monitoring thing system, but it's expensive. And people say like, ah, well, it's cool, but not that cool. Perhaps it should be cheaper. And there's a huge, huge 
fight right now how you can have operational optimization uh, supported with the modern technologies so you can have not expensive data acquisition you can have uh, somehow normal price of you know performance navigation analysis and forecast some you know weather risks etc and how you can have how you can get a good reporting and uh for industrial IT, it's a pretty big challenge, I can say, because we are trying to solve the problems with the super modern technologies. But the problem is, like, we need this device to be capable of, you know, a lots of stuff, and we'll have a cost of, you know, 10k. While even in space tech, you know, the prices are a bit higher, and people feel themselves, you know, uh, uh, less uh, under less pressure. So obviously, it's a question of fuel consumption. Fuel is the biggest budget of operations in the maritime. Vessel is just a huge fuel burner. 60-70% of the yearly uh, operational budget of the vessel is fuel. So obviously, you know, all of the technologies, they go there. Um, and uh, there's problems of the fuel stealing, efficiency. It's a problem of, uh, I don't like the word adjustment here, but basically it's adjustment of the human behavior in terms of how they manage equipment on board and basically how how they can get the data if something is wrong and how the office could understand that something is wrong and basically you know put a pressure on those who are failing to operate in a normal way there's also a big wave of um, this interconnectivity vessel port vessel vessel trying to you know accumulate uh, the standard for some community of uh, of maritime uh, stakeholders i can say like that it's it's also a pretty big challenge because if this could be solved the efficiency will be higher without significant uh, like physical investments into, into the vessel and uh, obviously uh, the third part i can say and it's for many years marinas are not happy to be accountants it's practically for them they say like right now we are more of accountants than like marinas because you need to fill out these reports you're sitting in the port you're filling out reports you know you're sitting on the board of the vessel filling out reports no, no one is happy and uh, this is something um like normal people we, we don't do that we're not like <laughs> going around our like office saying oh okay this this sensor says that we consume this amount of electricity you know, and we, we consume this amount of fuel to heat our building. And people do it every day, you know, for, for several hours, basically. Um, th this is also, you know, the problem of, uh, interesting problem of the mental health, by the way. Because uh, when people were on board the vessels, uh, on board the vessels for 12 months, for one and a half year, you could just like try to imagine sitting in the room in the ocean with the same 12 to 20, 30 people you see every day. And there was like suicides, also lack of connection. You don't have internet like fully all the time on board of every vessel. So you imagine how hard it is. I know what you should do, like meditate or you know something. So once again, there are, you know, multiple perspectives. I'm mostly observing the fuel efficiency, energy efficiency. Yeah, the ability of the vessel to uh, like spend less power, and on the, on this on the same amount of resistance or finding the way how you can you know reduce the resistance and move faster and better with the same amount of power um and that, that that's that's basically it and, and also my guess that you know on a higher level on the level of maybe uh ecological regulations of european union of like international regulations it's transparency and quality of the data 
it's super number one major challenge. How we might be sure that the data that we have is the real data. How we might be sure that you know we are making decisions on the basis of the data that will lead us to the good results. Not saying like ah we now have you know some model. No one ever saw the you know uh, parameters. Of of this model and the input data of this model, but we're sure that you know it, it has results that we like, and we will use these results to build some you know products, processes, decisions on the basis of this data. This is what concerns me a lot, and basically that's 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 a big big uh, also not an easy way because once again I'm not saying that the current market players are bad because they're calculating on averages. It's a huge new step that you could have some data and this data is like not a zero because before that you like had no data but the end result where we could bring real impact where we could you know generate practical positive influence it's still like many many steps in front of us and uh, this this should be supported through you know this uh, idea that you know we need to be focused on the uh, quality of the data we need to be focused on the real practical technologies we need to be focused on something that we understand uh, where it came from what is the basis of this uh, thing yeah at least it's once again it's my it's my subjective understanding yeah. so the, the the number of important problems they are much much higher range so looking at the the, the competition today that you guys are uh you know um facing in itself like uh, i mean how would you you know define yourself as different than them i mean how are you maybe better different i mean how do you compare yourself to uh, to the other solution available in the in the market i could say that everyone is special <laughs> in some way yeah yeah sure so um we the idea that we develop is that uh, you don't need to be an expert to use advanced ai and even though we delivering the high accuracy, it's not a super deep tech, but it's somehow a deep tech analysis because it's a new algorithm, own algorithm, it's a new application of, you know, boosting this like uh, capacity and quality of this calculations through it. But uh, we see that average um, quality of employee in the maritime is not that high because perhaps you don't have a lot of people you know, calling you and saying like, oh my God, I became, a, you know, second officer on board the vessel. I'm so cool. Let's have a party. Yeah, because people say, yeah, now I'm, you know, working for insurance as the, someone. Yeah, like I'm working here, there. Maritime is not that popular. And quality of the employees is not that high. So um, for me, it means that we need to simplify the system. So every person is like, you know, like with iPad back in the day. So given even a kid like five years old will find what to do with it. So it's practically pretty much the same because the majority of the market right now, majority of the market, it's like something similar to Microsoft Dynamics 365. It could do everything. It, 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 it will take a year to you know start doing everything. You need to have a special courses, perhaps, to, to, you know, to start doing that. You will perhaps have a result in one and a half year, two years. What we are doing, we call it trial of performance. So you could do it tomorrow. You could, you know, have your product today. You can start receiving, you know, basic benefits tomorrow. This will solve your major energy efficiency, transparency problems. Then you can make a decision. So we, we, we focus our, our technologies basically on, uh, easy to use UX. We focus it on ability to acquire any data, uh, nevertheless of the format, 
of the structure and to make it as fast as possible because we believe that you know solving the problem of data analysis of data aggregation and then bringing additional products like performance analysis like fuel efficiency analysis decision support on for example navigation this will bring much bigger result on the course of two years because we, we don't need to wait for you know five years before you know some big implementation I'm not saying that other vectors are bad, but we, we, we decided, okay, fine, we can also help medium and small size companies because these companies are struggling. They don't have resources to implement expensive, complicated solutions. It's basically 10 people working in the company, managing 10 vessels. They don't have time to learn this you know, advanced system. Uh, this is some sort of enabling technology. We also see that it's possible to... Uh, for example, become a part of the ecosystem. Because if you are trying to talk to, you know, Wärtsla Voyage, perhaps they won't be happy if, you know, other competitors have their systems, they slowly will eat this pie. You know, step by step, it, it, it will become the only one system. And perhaps you should change your operational processes because they after, after some time they will say, look, well, you're reporting in a good way, but it's not, you know, comfortable with us. So you should change it. We are absolutely opposite. So we are like... In so fast launch, you don't need to change anything. Technology solves it. So technology manage your data, connect it to our data structure. So you don't need to change operational processes. We could be part of the ecosystem. We, we are basically not that jealous. <laughs> and uh, for us, we see it as, uh, you know, uh, big support for the industry to manage transparency, quality of data, and emission footprint. So we see it as our current competitive advantage. And basically, uh, our clients gives us the feedback that it's, 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 it's right what they need. Because my co-founder, Kartik, who is a naval architect, and he used to work for Berghard Schulte as a performance manager, when he you know, tells me a story, how hard it is to use this software, which was somehow built for you. Like people build the software for you. It's just, he says, it's so complicated. Like we need something like much easier. And the people from the industry, they say, yeah, yeah, that's right what we need. We don't need like, you know, 50 adjustment buttons or something we don't need like you know, we need to understand was the fuel consumption efficient or not we need to understand what caused it is it's really doable i mean that it's, it's just an, what we do i consider as a normal new wave of technological implementation in maritime and yeah so that's that's i think uh, our major competitive advantage being like flexible light and uh, the same quality of results basically so finally, uh, to close this section, uh, looking at the, the the size of the of the market and uh, the path for you, Marie Digital, to uh, to to go and conquer that market. So, uh, what's what's next? What what is the road in front of you? Uh, how would you uh, achieve a larger scale in the operation? How big uh, is that market in terms of uh, monetary value? I would say. Yeah, for sure. So. Um... Many right now, why the market is shifting? Yeah, why buy new players right there? Because of the regulations, uh, there's a big expectation that market of vessel decarbonization will expand significantly in 2026 because there will be huge fines for the owners of the fleet. The size of expansion of this market for me, like I, I saw different analysis. So, for example, I, I saw one from, from perhaps Bloomberg or some agency that was reporting through Bloomberg and and there was numbers of some dozens of billions but perhaps it was with new hardware devices obviously 
normal size of the vessel software decarbonization market, I consider around maybe 1 billion, 1.5 billion per year for, for, for the global fleet. It's not super big market, but as we see, it's super integrated and being participant of this market opens the door in two years to become a data source for the surrounding corporate ESG ETS reporting markets. And it's a pretty different story because supply chain market is huge. It's like, you know, 60, 60 billions a year of like different software applications. So they need to get the data from some place. And Maritime is one of the hardest places to get the data from. Um, within within our vision, so what, what we can do right now, what is our strategy, like tactic, tactics right now? We could uh, win specific segments. So for, for example, right now we are working with uh, offshore fleets. Uh, because they are like there's a specific situation at this market, the market growing up super fast. They need super fast technological implementation. They are pretty much you know ready to acquire our solution. Some of our clients uh, start be becoming our distributors because they 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 see that the product is good. Uh, step by step, we're also working with the bulk uh, vessel market because in maritime industry, many say that they, they that this 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 uh, niche is you know a bit older vessels. They are more under pressure of upgrade. They are more willing to. Uh, basically pay for for for, the, for this retrofitting uh, for us it's the only one way you know to uh, go to market to win different niches to find the scalability tools uh, and right now there are several interesting projects for example how we could um, not to replace fully maybe but significantly increase the speed of boarding process through large language models of because in large language model the problem is that we don't know the quality because when you when you type in the chat and you say oh my god it answers like a human there's no parameter of the quality of the model here in the industrial business we have parameters that okay it's 10 mistakes for 10,000 interactions right and uh, this is something that is under the R&D for many because if you could uh, solve the problem of semantic analysis you can basically replace business analysts and uh, the, the question of automation and business models, how we could penetrate uh, faster, because we're right now trying to solve the white label model approach, which seems to be of really high potential. And, and this, this model has like really high risks because yeah, it's, it's always cool to say, yeah, I'm using white label model. And then a couple of companies from India with, you know, 100% development with 100 developers inside or from China arrive say, Nice, give us your white label. And you say like, hmm, you, you, have, you have 50 data scientists inside. I, I don't know how I will, I will handle, you know, my uh, security of the rights and my FIP rights and my security of the market niche. So it's, 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 it's really is something that on the table right now, solving step by step in, in two years, we will see. Thank you so much. So looking at uh, a little bit more your, your personal opinion on the on the climate crisis, I mean, what would you say to people who feel, uh, you know, demoralized by all the already visible consequences uh, of climate change today? Are we doomed? I hope not. <laughs> you, you know, at, at least. Uh, so actually, it's a, it's a big, big question of uh, your personal awareness and your personal responsibility. And this is perhaps the, the most tough question because we don't like to pay more for the goods that we use. 
No one is happy when your clothes become more expensive. No one is happy when the battery in your MacBook becomes more expensive. And then we, when I saw uh, the, um, basically it was a short film about Congo, where 60% of the global cobalt being mined. And uh, every battery has this cobalt right now, like your, your phone, iPhone, you know, laptop, et cetera. There's 50 people dead every day because it's mined like with your bare hands, basically. And that's like, this is like extremely, extremely sad. Obviously this thing contributes. So, so this thing, you know, starts scaling around. So if this happens, then perhaps your transportation won't be like significantly ecological friendly. And, and and this is basically my guess. It's uh, the the upcoming years will be about like practical contribution. This this is about how you as a human being react to how you vote for the next steps of the industry round. Because if you say, look, I won't consume that because I'm I'm I'm, I'm against that. I'm against this approach. Perhaps this will help. Maybe if you will do something on your own, practical, you know, <laughs> plant a tree or. You know, next time when you see plastic somewhere, you know, you just throw it in the right container. It's something. This is about practical contribution. From this perspective, I believe that we are not doomed. There's also multiple theories about uh, that. Still, it's, it's it's questionable by many people if it's a human factor at the end result contributing to the climate change, or maybe it's like you know some you know, natural processes, but nevertheless, what, what we can practically do is reduce our input because the, it's 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 the least that we can do. From this perspective, I hope that, uh, you know, new generation of younger people, and when I'm talking to them, I see that, oh my God, I never thought uh, of this, you know, topics when I was 20. And I was never caring if it's like plastic around or something, but, but, but the people of younger generation, they basically have this question and it's a huge hope that, uh, you know, new generation will support uh, this way and we won't end up in you know some uh <laughs> the, the dramatically polluted uh, nature uh yeah so i i i have i have a hope for that and basically what motivates me is to contribute this hope how can the the listener of the show experts investors founders can uh, help you today Oh, well, I guess uh, it's it's about networking. So we, we are constantly looking for new opportunities for like, you know, expand our understanding of different countries, expand our understanding of different markets, maybe to find right people. Uh, because, uh, you know, on the course of the last years, uh, I found that, uh, you know, building companies hard. It's really hard. Like it's 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 hard every day, <laughs> and, uh, you know, not always, uh, just money is good for you, not always like some like general uh, maybe client good for you. So it's, it's, so it's all about uh, pretty much conscious uh, way forward. So what, what, what I'm doing right now, what we are doing with our team, we are trying to, you know, balance uh, like our network, our uh, ex experts around us. And we, yeah, for sure, we are constantly looking for any sort of different opportunities. Uh, right now we are finalizing our round. We already found uh, uh, two uh, investors who will support us uh, on, on the way forward. And uh, perhaps we will be looking for uh, industry-related uh, people uh, with that because, once again, it's a challenging industry. It's a challenging thing that we are working on. 
it always helps when we have a match in terms of expertise, in terms of vision with uh, uh, people around us. And it's it's always cool when you could, could, from your side, you could support someone from, you know, other startups, someone from other fund with knowledge network, etc. It's always cool to, to get it to you. So, yeah, I, I can say uh, we will find out. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ivan, for your time, for your incredible insight on the on the industry uh, and all the effort that you you put to uh, move the ball towards a, a better world and a healthier world. So thank you so much for joining the show today. Yeah, thanks a lot for the invitation, and uh, I really like how you develop the community and how your podcast grows. Uh, so uh, thanks once again for inviting me and letting me talk about this. Thanks again for joining us on the Tech Food Night podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned next week for more Climate Tech Insights. In the meantime, head on over to our webpage at startupbasecamp.org where we have lots more insights and resources for anyone wanting to get involved in climate tech. If you find our resources useful, please consider donating to support our small self-funded team. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. And see you next time.